Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, does Brazil have a wax museum? Hi, America. Oh, oh. Hello, world. Great. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me introduce my guests. Firstly the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and DVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather realized this week that Google image results are like a party that starts off exactly how you expected but gets weirder the longer you stay. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I've lost days of my life. I'm sure. Days, I tell you. God. I also wish to introduce the mad and crazy Michelle Corey. Michelle was raised and born in Moira, Minnesota, and has a keen and avid interest in all things paranormal. Michelle was bitten by a mosquito yesterday. Today it's got a hangover. <laughs> oh boy. Welcome to the show, True. Michelle. I also Hello. wish to introduce tonight Nathan Bush, who is joining us again. Yay, for Yay the Nathan! Laugh, the merriment in the background. Nathan decorated his bedroom to look like his office so he can get to sleep faster. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Nathan. Thank you. We are Series 2, Episode 118. 
118 is a DEET-covered number lost somewhere in the Amazon River with no cell phone coverage. If you're in Bolivia, if you're bowled over in Bolivia, if you're in distress in Indonesia or incapacitated in Italy, then 118 will put you through to the emergency services in those countries. 118 is also the number of the sea emergency services if you are jostled by a jellyfish in Japan. So, for the first time on MQTA, the That's Big in Japan Crazy Facts and Rules quiz. (laughs) This will be weird. Points to be had. In Tokyo, there is a cafe called White Man. When Japanese ladies ring a bell, what happens next? Miss Morris. When Japanese ladies ring a bell? When Japanese ladies ring a bell in a Tokyo cafe called White Man, what happens next? Um, I would assume someone brings them some tea. Somebody brings them tea. A man, preferably. Are preferably we guessing a white man. A white one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're squeezing the pips out of the I question, am, aren't yeah. you, to a certain degree? What do you think, Michelle? Any thoughts? A I little think... Japanese lady rings her bell <laughs> in the cafe called White Man. I think they get a exotic entertainer. Exotic entertainment. You're just wishing and hoping and praying, <laughs> aren't you? Yep. It is Miss Morris, who is correct. A white Caucasian man appears in a tuxedo and responds with, yes, princess. Oh, I win. You have points again. The I ugly... oh, win this one. Oh, domo <laughs> arigato. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> the listeners we've lost in the Pacific Rim. Oh. Unbelievable. Japan has a museum solely dedicated to rocks and stones that look like what? Isn't isn't that peni then? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Can we say that on the air? Yes, I think if you don't emphasize the E. Okay. Michelle, what do you think? Godzilla. Godzilla. Mm -hmm. Nathan, do you want to interject with anything? Mothra. (gasps) It is. Faces. Over (laughs) 1,000. See, I got it right. I can see a face in it. That's paradelia. <laughs> You're seeing your reflection is what's happening, isn't it? It's like a crystal ball. Whoa. There are 1,700 rocks on display that look exactly like characters E.T., Elvis Presley. Really? Famous people mm. in rocks. You can go and see that. You can pay. Rock stars? Rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> Heather's on. Minus two. Great. I've warned you about being funny. (laughs) Women. Women are legally obliged to wear this in air-conditioned buildings in Japan. By law, they'll get arrested otherwise. A bra. A jacket. A jacket. I thought you liked a sweater. (laughs) A moaner. A screamer. (laughs) You're absolutely right. Miss Morris is gaining points, winning points. Nice. Losing them again. again. It is, in fact, a bra. The result of not wearing a bra in a cold building is too distracting for male workers. It is, in fact, illegal. By the way, Mm -hmm. did you know if a man asks a woman on a date in Japan and she agrees to go on that date, she can't then refuse him more? Really? Silence prevails. Silence. Dead air. This is true. I believe a large percentage of Americans also believe that to be the law. 
But that is true. If you <laughs> agree Dairy to, Queen. Dairy Queen. If you believe... <laughs> I've lost my worms. Hang on a second. <laughs> it is true. If you ask a female Japanese lady to go on a date and she says yes, legally... She what about to, a male Japanese lady? Mr. Dowry. <laughs> I just haven't done the research. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll find out for next week. How yes, does that do. sound? Yes, please. Miss Morris, you shall have two more points. You're now up to zero. <laughs> Great. <laughs> nice. Finally, as if this end would never come. Finally in Japan, you will never see one of these in a school anywhere. And I'll give you a clue because this is dastardly difficult. It's a member of staff. You will never find one of these in a Japanese school. Ah, I would say a cafeteria worker. I think it's a custodian. It is a janitor. Yep. In I was Japan, thinking about that. In Japan, they teach the children to clean up the schools mm-hmm. themselves, to teach them lessons. And also they sit and have lunch with their teacher in their own classroom. They don't actually go to a cafeteria. So I don't know. Miss Morris oh, may be right by default. That's see? not part of the quiz. I said custodian. I haven't got to you yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going through the points. <laughs> I'm sorry I wasn't quick enough. My apologies. They are imminent, Michelle. Come on, man. Come on. Get with the plan. God. What's wrong with you? I've got two I've points. I've won points and everything. <laughs> I must have them. Heather is on two, forgetting the fact that there's no cafeteria staff. You're supposed to eat in the classroom, and they prepare their food and dish it out in the classroom, and the teacher sits with them. Michelle is on two as yes! well. Get in there. <laughs> Nathan is yet to score, and yet to <laughs> score as well. There are 118 elements in the periodic table. Do you know why that makes me sad? Why? Why? Because it means I can't use any oh, more elements. Oh, you're done. If we're if 119... I don't know yet because I've not checked, but I'm guessing 119 is going to be a slippery beast and we're going to be struggling to find things for 119. I suspect, having done this for the longest time now, I think we may have problems. I can't even rely on emergency telephone numbers or the periodic table. Done. Heather, you could invent one. Yeah. Helenium. Yes. Heathernolium. Yeah. No, they're not working. (laughs) These are the heavy metals, obviously. There are 118 elements in the periodic table. I heard that oxygen and magnesium were going out, and I was like, OMG. Oh, my God. I love these jokes. (laughs) I wanted to tell you better periodic table jokes, but the best ones are gone. Are there any jokes about sodium? Nah. Nah. Perfect. (laughs) The mailbag. Yay, mailbag. Every week we love reading out your letters, your correspondences, your emails. It is the highlight of the show and the highlight of our week. Robin in Massachusetts posted. Hi, Robin. I listen on SoundCloud and you know what? I laugh over and over, even though every bit is memorised. Oh, that's awesome. People get a little bit more each time, don't they, I think? You listen to the show, you start to hear things that you didn't hear Mm -hmm. previously. Alan in Korea has written, you guys are my guilty pleasure. Adrian, you are a very punny guy. 
Oh, you very, very punny, punny man. Very punny. Thank yeah. you, Aaron. <laughs> Alan was born in the Grove Heights in Minnesota, by the way. Just so I'd share that with you. Oh, hello, Aaron. Oh. <laughs> love the wordplay and hidden innuendos. Mm. If you love innuendos, stay tuned and I'll give you one later. Um. Now, last week was our 150th show. Mm-hmm. Our 150th episode. People wondered how we got to that when last week's episode was actually 117. But of course, we did 33 shows in our first season, our first series. And 117 last week leads us to 150 altogether. We got a lot of correspondences, a lot of messages Yay. for our anniversary show from all over the world. Great responses. Jerry said 150. You don't look over 30. <laughs> I actually think that's the combined age of everyone put together in the studio, to be Possibly. honest. Possibly. I don't think so. Yeah, no. I think we're pretty close if we did the math there. I don't think no, we're a million miles we are... away. Oh. <laughs> everyone looked at Nathan. I don't know <laughs> Thank you for coming along and bringing the average age of the show to 150. Yay. Michael posted, woohoo. Do you see the way I did that? <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Don't get carried away. Sorry. Congratulations. Time to take the show on the road. I'm not sure Be how awesome. we would do that. On the road again. Just going to get back on the road again. <laughs> Michelle in New York said, thank you for the 150th show. I loved my four points last week. Keep them coming. Hi, Michelle. My pleasure. Hello, Michelle. Jody has posted, I was there listening live. Congratulations. Here's to many more. Kevin in Minnesota finally posted, Heather does not need to cheat. Her superior intelligence wins every time. Agree. Yes. I pay him well. <laughs> he we then love writes, you, Kevin. He says, P.S. I'm on strong painkillers at the moment. <laughs> oh. Oh, indeed. In fact, Kevin in Mankato in Minnesota actually needs our prayers and our healing at the moment for Please. his back mm-hmm. problems. If people wish to give that in his direction, I'm sure he'd greatly Appreciate that. Finally, Martin in New York has created the most amazing online auction. So if you get a chance to go to Martin's online auctions on Facebook, there's everything on there from Living Dead Dolls to 80s metal concert T-shirts. The unusual, strange, intriguing and bizarre. Go and have a look at what is morbidly fascinating. Just a couple of clicks away from owning. Remember, Martin's online auctions on Facebook. You've already shown good taste by listening to the show now you can surround yourself with good taste as well. Remember, you can access our archives at any time. If you go to soundcloud.com and search for MQTA Radio, all of our shows over the last four years will be there for you. You can listen to them as your guilty pleasure. Back to back. If you're in the gym, in the car, walking the dog, supposed to be revising for an exam, anywhere you wish, you can listen to those. They're all on there for you, free of charge. This will always be free. This show's always free. We enjoy doing it free. But if you wish to donate, you can go to patreon.com and search for MQTA Radio and you can donate different levels on there as well to pay for our studio expenses. That would be very kind of you. We have many patrons on there already Mm -hmm. who are doing that and we greatly appreciate that to keep the show running over the last four years without charging you a single penny. But if you go to SoundCloud, if you're listening now on SoundCloud, why don't you press the little orange love heart Show us how much you love the show. And remember, there's an extra 20 to 25 minutes in a round called Not For Your Mother. It's worth it. It's the stories from around the world that are naughty. Naughty. Filled with innuendo. Say filthy are gone, ladies. Mm -hmm. 
Filthy. Perfect. That's me for the night suit. <laughs> we can't read them out live on air. So if you go to soundcloud.com, there's an extra 20 minutes on there for you, laden with filth and innuendo. And you can also listen on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitches. You have absolutely no excuses for not finding us. All of tonight's stories, all of the messages of support, all of the jokes, all of the chat rooms, everything you want, the videos, the photographs. Everything is on Facebook. If you go to more questions and answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook, we have 5,900 followers on there, and I would love for you to join us. In fact, if you're listening to the show now, whether it be on Dark Matter or on SoundCloud, why don't you end up onto Facebook and just post that you're listening to the show and share that with the world? We'd be very grateful. On Twitter, we have 95,000 followers. If you go to adrian underscore lee underscore tips t-i-p-s you can join us on there you can listen to us first why don't you listen to us first on dark matter digital network at eight o'clock central time every friday we have a hundred thousand listeners in 190 countries all over the world and if you're looking for a fantastically haunting spooky eerie history laden read this summer my book mysterious midwest unwrapping urban legends and ghostly tales from the dead is available with a foreword written by david ellefson the grammy award-winning bassist of the super band megadeth that's all there for you now i had a very interesting day today yeah i don't know if you noticed this this is an airtight studio we're in very close proximity i can almost reach out and flick nathan's ear it's it's there just (laughs) just inches away (laughs) ah there you go. <laughs> Felt like a dried apricot in many ways. Ooh. So, we're in an tight studio. I'm smelling, I don't know whether you got the funk of this or not. I'm f- smelling a little bit horsey. You're not my usual cologne. Really? Not normally wearing a suit and running around a stable. But I met a fabulous lady today. Her name is Becky. She's in North Mankato. And she owns several horses. And she asked me to go and do some healing on her horses. So there I am, laying on hands. I'm going to post some photographs on Facebook. I have done this before, but it always makes me smile. I really like healing horses, and I like having conversations with them psychically. This was very interesting. I started, Michelle asked me what kinds of horses they were. (laughs) And obviously, I I know a lot in this field, in this area, and I said they were brown ones, (laughs) which I think I know. So I started with a brown horse. His name was Charlie. And just the most amazing things. I put my hands on these horses to do Reiki healing. And they just give me so much back. It's fantastic. Now, he had problems with his heart chakra. And I felt that he was grieving. He felt sad. He felt like a human when I lay my hands on a human and feel that they've lost someone or they've been bereaved. So I said to the lady, this horse is very fit and healthy. He's very loving. He's trying to actually give me healing back, which horses actually do. Even if they're on their deathbed, they're still trying to give you healing back. I said, he's grieving. I said, in actual fact, he's telling me, and I'm seeing pictures. He's not talking to me because I don't speak. By the way, Charlie's a great name for a horse, isn't it? Yes. Charlie Horse. Oh, <laughs> it's just a joy. Ow! <laughs> now remove his funny bone. It's <laughs> fantastic. So he's showing me in pictures. I'm a clairvoyant. He was telling me that he was very sad because he was in his field and his friend killed over and died. Oh, my. And the horse wasn't found for some time, of course. So he's standing next to his dead friend lying on the floor, and they threw a tarp over it and obviously then removed it. And he was grieving for his friend. Hmm. And I said to the lady, did he 
experienced seeing a horse die? Was he in a field where a horse died? And she said, yes, the horse was called Ditto. This Aww. happened last year. The horse killed over and died, as animals do, as humans do, of course. Right. And he had to stand there looking over his dead horse friend. Quite remarkable. And he told me this. He was grieving. I said, the best thing you can do is get a photograph of this horse, blow it up, put it in a frame and stick it in his stable. Right. He'd oh. be happy. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I think that's great. That is a great idea. That would be perfect. Now, horse number two was called Rio. He was a white His one. His name is Rio. Rio. He wasn't dancing on oh, the sand, unfortunately. Nuts. This was a white one, if you want to get technical, Michelle. Oh, okay, the white one. The white one. He was showing me the number four. Now, obviously, horses can't count. They've no concept of numbers, but he recognizes the pattern or the symbol of a number four, and that's what I was seeing when I was laying my hands on him. And I asked what stable number mm. Rio was housed in at night when he goes nanai, when he goes Betty Bites. And he's in stable number five. Number four was his neighbor. Now, number four, they sleep next to one another in the stable block, number four and number five. But they are in different pastures, different paddocks. And he was telling me he missed his friend. Aww. So I thought that was fun. He also didn't like his water butt. He said he didn't like going to the water butt to drink. <laughs> and I asked him why. And there was something that was spooking him or he was unhappy about. So I said to the lady, let's go out to the field. We'll have a look at the water butt and I'll have a look and see what I think's spooking him bearing in mind that I know absolutely nothing about horses at all on any level I didn't see a horse till I was 15 I come from East London and I went out to the paddock and there's an electric fence running around the paddock and the water butt is pushed up against the fence oh, and I think he was no. associating being shocked with drinking water sure. so they're going to move the water butt into the middle of the field so he's tell he also told me he didn't like his feed. So they're going to now get him. <laughs> he said horses that lick each other's bottoms, but apparently the feed wasn't good enough. They don't lick each other's horses bottoms. do? I don't know. I, I told you earlier. <laughs> You've been watching way too many cats. I've been watching cows. <laughs> no, that's why I don't like eating tongue, because you don't know where it's been, do you? Oh. No, my mother used to have tongue when I was a kid. I'd open up the fridge and it'd be sat there on a plate. Yes, I'm aware what the tongue does, uh. Michelle. I don't need... Well, you carry on, actually. I don't mind. <laughs> oh! <laughs> If you're playing the Bell Bunk and Snort game anywhere you are around the world, you can now take a shot and drink your drink. Michelle's not finished. You might have to pour a double. Great. I wish we had cameras in here so people can see. I'm sure people wish we had cameras as well. <laughs> I don't. You're missing out on so much. But that was my afternoon. Oh, God. I, I spent my afternoon touching horses. And uh, I'm filthy dirty and I smell of manure. So there Excellent. we go. Excellent. Mm. Like any other night in the yeah. studio. That's yeah. right. What a fantastic Just Friday another night. Friday night. There we go. <laughs> but that makes me very happy. If anyone wants their horse healed or wants me to talk to their horse, I'm willing to do that. What about a hamster? I think I could probably get through to a hamster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like these nuts. Popcorn. <laughs> I want the sun. Why do hamsters smell of popcorn? That's very bizarre. I find that very strange. They do smell nice. You can get addicted to the smell of them, can't you? Wow. Okay, that's just, just me, apparently. A lot. <laughs> Who knew? You can. You can get addicted to the smell of hamsters. They smell popcorn-y, don't they? You can always smell it now. It's better if you stop now. Comforting. Quit. Yeah. Quit before you start. Yeah. The thing is, you start on the low-level stuff, like the gerbils, hamsters. the pedigree mice. You work your way up. Before you know where you are, 
you know, you're sniffing it's hamsters queer. and you're onto the hard stuff. Guinea pigs. Yeah, this- you could end up in a prison cell and there's four hardened criminals in there and you say, what are you in for? And they'll say, breaking and entering. What are you in for? Our armed robbery. Murder. Yeah, what about you? Hamster sniffing. <laughs> and then there's a sharp intake of breath. Like, <gasps> He's a lifer. He's a lifer. As you're walking down the corridor, there's people getting out of your way because yeah. you're sniffing hamsters. We are more questions Terrible. than answers. The only paranormal hamster sniffing radio show anywhere in the world. And this is our first round, which is Ghosts and Hauntings. Miss Morris, you are currently on two points. What have you got for me in the round of ghosts and hauntings? Well, I ran across a story and I never knew this. I guess I never even knew about the conspiracy theory that Paul McCartney actually died and was replaced. Serious. No, I never heard that. I never heard that. Yeah, I've, I've done interviews many, many times on authors that have suggested this took place. Well... The former drummer of the Beatles, Ringo Starr, surprised the world during an interview in his luxurious Californian residence when he admitted that the 45-year-old rumor about the alleged death of Paul McCartney in 1966 was actually true. What? I didn't know. No idea. Yeah, they've got photographs comparing the two of them, what they look like before and after. And there was clues, apparently, in Sgt. Pepper and other albums. Yeah. That if you look out for them, they're giving cryptic clues as to the fact that... In fact, wasn't one of the songs you played backwards and they said something along the lines of Paul McCartney's dead? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that's the sort of thing, yeah. What? I know. In an exclusive interview with the Hollywood Inquirer, Mr. Starr explained that the real Paul McCartney had died in a car crash on November 9th, 1966, after an argument during the Beatles recording session. To spare the public from grief, the Beatles replaced him with a man named William Shears Campbell, who was the winner of a McCartney lookalike contest and who happened to have the same kind of jovial personality as Paul. Now, on the song Sergeant Pepper, they introduce Billy Shears. Yeah. That's one of the names they call out during the song. Yeah, he's right. the, like the main character. That's right. That's right. Actually, William Shears Campbell, better known as Billy Shears, does indeed disappear from records in 1966, and no traces of him can be found after Paul's alleged death. So, Mr. Starr alleges that the group did send out a lot of hidden messages through the years to prepare the population for the truth. He notably says the entire Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Bandulum. 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 Whatever. Band on the run. Was awash with Paul-ish dead clues. The Beatles had indeed officially formed a new band featuring a fictional member named Billy Shears, which happened to be the actual name of Paul's replacement. I think you'll find Paul McCartney died when he released the Frog Chorus. (laughs) (laughs) I'd share that with everybody. Can you imagine you're sat in a studio, it's 1967, and Ringo's saying, hang on, I've got Paul coming through, there's a Ouija board. Paul, Paul, what are you telling us? He says there needs to be more drumming. The drumming needs to be louder. I can hear it. He's saying that now coming through. Do you see what I'm saying? George is saying, no, no, I can hear. I can hear Paul coming through. He's on the Ouija board. He says it needs to be more lead guitar and rhythm guitar. Of course. See what we're saying here? (laughs) Well, what he says is, we felt guilty about the deception, added Ringo Starr. We wanted to tell the world the truth, but we were afraid of the reactions it would provoke. We thought the whole planet was going to hate us. For all the lies we told, so we kept lying about sending subtle clues 
to relieve our consciousness. When the first rumors finally began about the whole thing, we felt very nervous and started fighting a lot of each other. At some point, it was too much for John, and he decided to leave the band. Now, that was a quote from Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr also claims that he finally decided to tell the truth because he was afraid it was going to die with him. At age 74, he is the only other surviving member of the famous band besides Paul McCartney, and he was afraid the deception would never be revealed. So he's saying it's true. Uh-huh. I'm not sure about that one. Can we can we say the four-letter word here? Are we allowed to? <gasps> Heather can say it. You think it's bunk? I do think it's bunk. I'm happy to be proven <laughs> otherwise. Yes, bunk. Have a drink. Has so the... you think Ringo is bunk? Ringo smoked a lot of drugs. Ringo's got a great sense of humour. I find that hard to believe. And I'd also like to find out who actually did that interview and where that came from. Because I could sit here and say, yes, Ringo says he needs to have his drums louder on the next album. That was fascinating. John came through and told him. I, I never heard it. I didn't even hear the rumor, to be honest. So I, I, was I nearly fell off that. my seat because not so long ago, there was a John Lennon memorial concert celebrating okay. the anniversary mm-hmm. of his, not celebrating, but, you know. Marking. Marking, the, there's a better word. Right marking the death of John Lennon and they got Kylie Minogue to sing and the BBC news reporter turned around and said whoever organised that wants shooting and uh, that went down oh. really well apparently oh yuck who knew a shopper has claimed to have captured footage of a ghostly food shop in a supermarket car on his birthday which he believes is a sign from his late gran telling him to buy some bread <laughs> Hang on. Only happens on your birthday. I've got your grandmother coming through. She says, you need to buy more bread. Bread. (laughs) I'd like to be one of those psychics that nails absolutely everything, but it's inconsequential. The inconsequential psychic would be great. Cassandra? Your your grandmother's here. She says you need to buy more bread. Yes, yes, but ask her where the treasure's hidden. Where did she bury all of grandpa's money? She says you're lactose intolerant. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's true. It's incredible. But where's the treasure buried? Where did she hide granddad's money? She says she wants you to wrap up warm this winter. In the red scarf she knitted you in 1974. It's true. She knitted me a red scarf. You're brilliant. Where's the money? Where did granddad hide the money? The inconsequential psychic. Now on the History Channel, Monday, 9 o'clock Central Time. Wow. (laughs) Dal Greenwood, 33, was about to pop into the Skegness branch of Tesco's on his birthday when he spotted an abandoned supermarket cart in the car park. There's very rarely abandoned supermarket carts in no. any car park, is there? You very rarely see that. Because you it, get your pound back. You do get your pound back. <laughs> you have to push a pound coin into your cart in the supermarket. And at the end, if you put it back neatly, the coin pops out and you get your money back. Otherwise, so you, I can just take it home? Yes. For a, well, it's your pound. You're putting your pound in. You get know, your pound back again. You can steal what, the cart. That's what I'm saying. If, if I just feel like a cart, I can just leave my pound in and take the cart home? Yes. Sweet! You can buy a shopping cart <laughs> for, a for a pound if you want A new one. grill. <laughs> Strangely enough, they've stopped popping up in canals yes. and in abandoned mm-hmm. car parks because people want their pound back. Uh-huh. It was just 10 feet away from him when he and his dad had parked. Dal approached the trolley, claiming it had an eerie feel to it. <laughs> Don't tell me it was squeaking and was going in the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> He said he was stunned when he looked through the window and spotted his reflection 
and that of the empty cart appearing to suddenly contain a weekly shop, including bread. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine as a little kid going around the supermarket. Mum, mum, granddad's here in spirit. He says we need to buy more ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've heard that before. Tell mm-hmm. believes in the supernatural and is convinced it's a sign from his gran, Isa Allen, who died four years ago at the ripe old age of 89, to let him know she's okay and that he needs to do a food shop. The weird thing about the video which makes it all the more creepy, Mm. is that you can see the trolley reflection and my reflection, but the food is only in the reflection. The trolley is completely empty. So he's looking at the trolley in the car park, in the reflection of the supermarket. It's not so complicated. This will be the supermarket (laughs) that's stocked full of food. (laughs) And in the reflection, he can see some food. Amazing. In the trolley. (laughs) He says... It just might have been her watching over me, telling me to get a loaf of bread, as from what I could see, it looked like there was bread in the trolley. That's a miracle. (laughs) By the way, brown bread is dead, isn't it? Do you see what happened there? If you take in East London with Cockney Rhymey slang, if you say crikey, they're brown bread, they're dead. Brown bread is dead. Dead. Mm. But the spooky sighting may have been a trolley on the other side of the glass. Dale, whose favourite film is The Exorcist, no. said he and his grandma had an incredibly close bond. Dale said, I used to take my grandma into town shopping twice a week sometimes with her money. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me, grandma. I'll tell you which machines are the ones that pay out. <laughs> we were so close. She practically brought me up since I was 11 years old. Tesco was approached but declined to comment. They are blessing the bread as we speak. Ghost bread or wrong in the head. You decide. <laughs> Go to our Facebook site. More questions than answers. With Adrian Lee. I shall give myself a nice rounded sliced brown. Two points and I'm up to four. Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? If you want to join in, please feel free. Oh, no. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. With Flintstones, the meet the Flintstones. <laughs> They're the mud. With this a great big hug and a kiss from me to you, won't you say you love me, me too? Pull up a chair. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's come on I have absolutely no idea what's going on. Are That's these good. American cultural references from the seventies that are going to find me left wanting? No, like what the eighties. Well, I wasn't here in the 80s either. <laughs> it works either way. You didn't have Pee-wee's Playhouse? No. Oh. I have no clue what you're talking about. Oh, you're What's that didn't. a reference to? What are you singing there? I am singing the theme song to Barney. Barney. Mm-hmm. The big purple dinosaur. And as series go, Barney and Friends was a big deal. Well, I actually didn't like him, just saying. No. Not a big fan. Next. <laughs> 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 I'm going bunk right now. You've got minus two points for being inconsequential. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Rejecting the sort of bloodlust behavior you'd normally expect from a Tyrannosaurus Rex, Barney instead chose to promote messages of caring, sharing, and learning. 
While Bob West voiced the dinosaur, David was responsible for all of Barney's nifty moves. And if you've ever watched an episode, you'll know that Barney loved to dance. Okay. He did love to dance. So it's like a cross between Jurassic Park and fame. Yes, exactly. Okay. I'm getting it. I'm getting <laughs> it. Only much fatter. More surreal. More psychedelic. Like oh. they've all smoked weed, come up with a giant purple dinosaur that dances and think that would be great for kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, it. I'm getting it. All right. Imagine Teletubbies. Well, that is on weed, isn't it? That is yes. the most bizarre, <laughs> Oh, those things made me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> We're just getting our own back for you shooting John Lennon. <laughs> oh, Joyner made quite the leap from software analytics to playing Barney and admitted he had always wanted to be on TV. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm giving him a thumbs up. <laughs> There's a lot of psychic energy in my family, he reveals. There's a lot of clairvoyance. And a lot of times with me, I'm trying to figure out a situation, and then I'll dream about it. Well, the night before the audition, I had a dream. I had a dream. <laughs> well, we got our singing voice on today, haven't we? <laughs> yes. And in this dream, Barney passes out, and I have to give Barney mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. That's he's a having a dream, dream that he's kissing a purple dinosaur. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, could don't. I- then it hits me i had to breathe life into barney of in course you do yes. it's dying keep going if i go to this audition and breathe life into this character i'm gonna get the job and that's exactly what happened i pretty much already knew that i was going to be barney and it was great getting that phone call Playing a 70-pound dinosaur is no mean feat, and it would reach up to 120 degrees inside the costume. Inside the suit, Joyner could only see up to Barney's mouth, and when that was closed, it meant his view was completely obstructed. So to prepare for this, David Joyner would walk around his apartment as if he were blind. Well, that's convenient. Especially when they're (laughs) filming in his apartment. (laughs) <laughs> I, I would close my eyes and I would try and feel energy and try to feel the energy of anything that was around me and then try to pick things up I'm calling bunk <laughs> He's everyone have a drink how can you pick anything up with Tyrannosaurus Rex arms they can't pick up anything it wasn't with his arms oh, <laughs> so he's method acting a dinosaur yes a big purple dinosaur he is yes and mm-hmm. he's using his clairvoyant skills mm-hmm. i'm impressed a lot of times when people think about tantra they think only about sex join your joiner continues well tantra is much more than that because tantra deals with loving energy life force energy and energy that rises through your system. Now it's no accident that I've been spreading I love you all around the world. Or around his apartment, whichever. <laughs> I don't want him spreading anything around anywhere. <laughs> but what you do in your own apartment's entirely up to you, isn't it? With your big throbbing purple dinosaur. <laughs> Remarkable. Thank you. I should give you no points. Perfect. Because no one expects the Spanish inconsequential. <laughs> you are dum, still dum, on dum. four. Okay. King of the lizards or Tyrannosaurus next. Uh. We're now going to the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. Michelle's on four. 
I'm on four, and Heather is also on four. Oh, I don't believe it. It's true enough.、Mm. Stalemate will be made broken before the end of the show. I can guarantee it. I bet you can. <laughs> Mystery surrounds an epidemic of sinister black smoke rings that have been forming in the skies above the world. It's the world's biggest cigar. Yeah, I I agree. Bunk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm one sentence in. I've read out fourteen words. Fourteen. One piece of punctuation, which was the full stop, and you're bunking my story. That's right. <laughs> Let it breathe. Give it a chance. <laughs> you may change your mind at the end based on the、oh, facts, Miss Morris.、Uh-huh. The freaky phenomenon dubbed as smoke vortexes have been appearing in remote spots in Russia, Siberia, and the American Midwest. We need to keep an eye open. Then I would suggest, with the latest one being spotted in the UK.、Mm. The surreal sight is straight out of the 2016 film Arrival, where visiting aliens use circles to communicate. This is what the Olympic flag means. It's saying hello. To all the aliens out there. That's nice. Kimberly Robinson, 22, was driving down the M62 near Birkenshaw with her boyfriend Danny Cooper, 26, when they noticed a creepy black mark in the sky. It was scuff marks on the roof of the car. <laughs> Full-time mum. <laughs> That's not coming out. <laughs> Miss Robinson described the circle as the weirdest thing she had ever seen. It looked a bit smoky, but the shape <laughs> was a solid ring. That bit here, one of them there smoke rings, boy. Wasn't Smoky Ring a country singer? West, I've got all these albums. West Yorkshire、Lord. Fire Service say there had been no reports of a fire at the time of the sighting on Sunday, just after one thirty p.m. Another bizarre ring was then spotted in Missouri, but police believe it may have been caused by some sort of firework. Yeah, you think?、Hmm. Others believe the strange rings are evidence of alien ships visiting our planet. UFO investigator Nick Pope has another. More down-to-earth explanation.、Mm-hmm. Oh, let's hear it. Only Professor Hans Zarkov, formerly of NASA, has provided any explanation. Do you like the? Is that, that a real person? A, what Professor Hans Zarkov? Hands, yeah. Hands, knees, and bumps a daisy. Yes.、Oh. No, Professor Hans Zarkov is not a real person. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yes. We'll have him on next week's show. He works for NASA, but he's gone a bit rogue. <laughs> Go over that again, shall we? I say only Professor Hans Zarkov, formerly of NASA, has provided any explanation. And Miss Morris, to my right, says, "Is he a real person?" Well, you don't know. Yes, he works at NASA. He's in catering. <laughs> oh! You've woken me mother up. I'm crying. I can tell that you're crying. I can't work out whether that's absolute comic genius or she's a numpty. I can't work out that a small amount of weed has now arrived. No, Professor Hans Zarkov, formerly of NASA, 
is not a real person. I don't even want to know what Nick Pope even said. I, I can't be bothered anymore. He said, despite exotic theories about UFOs, aliens or portals to other dimensions, I believe there's a decidedly down-to-earth explanation here. Which a, is... Well, it's a so-called smoke vortex can arise when you have a blast through a circular structure like a smokestack, like a giant oh. smoking cigar. So these See, weird effects can you. be caused by accident or indeed any other design. UFO ring or not my thing. <laughs> Gordon's alive! <laughs> Miss Morris! Oh! There's going to be a lot of drunk people. You can't stop. Why don't you stop? <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, I need a drink. I do. I don't. I need a drink. <laughs> Miss Morris, who only has fourteen hours to save the earth. <laughs> Let's contact Nasha, who are preparing war rocket Ajax to bring back his body. What have you got for me tonight, Miss Morris, in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? I'm thinking we need a field trip down south. Yes. What, Peru? To Iowa. Oh, Iowa. <laughs> Iowa. Bigfoot has been spotted in Dallas County, Iowa. Oh, yes. I know. It has been confirmed. Bigfoot has made its way to central Iowa. A resident of Adele, Iowa, was strolling along the North Raccoon. Uh, yeah, I know. The North Raccoon River. This wow. weekend, when the man saw a large black animal run in full stride across the river. He told Who News reporters, Who News? I have been in these woods for 50-some oh. darn years, and I never seen anything like it. There can't be a big Pakistani population in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa DNR has been called in to investigate. Good. And helping the investigation is Bigfoot Research Organization or BRO or bro you know, bro 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 is, is yo I'm getting bro in <laughs> big bro why can't it be an association rather than an organization Michelle can we get big bro in just a minute well stay tuned because this story is so hot off the presses they're still updating and researching so as we speak yeah squatch in iowa squatch watch in we're iowa. on squatch watch with, i like it with bro and bra yeah that's mm. gotta be what four hours from us we should go really mm-hmm. we should be out there. look at michelle's <laughs> her ears You're perked up, up. She, she, she's spraying herself with d as we speak yes. this very minute <laughs> And Musk. Yes. Mm. You're going to get attacked. That's what's going to happen. He's going to be amorous. Look at you rubbing it all in. Should be going, well, hurry up then. Hurry up. Let him finish. Let him finish, Michelle. Let him finish. Turn out the light. Hang on. The batteries have gone in the camera. Let it finish, Michelle. Can't get a decent shot. Let it finish. That brings us neatly into the last round of the evening, which is the strange and the bizarre. It's the stories from around the world that are too good not to read out, but don't fit easily into any other category. Brits wary of puckering up to their loved ones should fear no longer. Oh, don't fear. <sighs> Pizza Hut has the answer. Well, it's not, gar not, not garlic bread, I'm guessing. 
to celebrate International Kissing Day, the restaurant has launched a limited edition pineapple lip balm. This is going to split the audience polemically straight down the middle. I love Hawaiian pineapple pizzas. You do? I do. They're one of my favourites, but this is going to split people, isn't it? You either love them or you hate them. Mm, Have you been eating pineapple? It's all about you, sweetheart. This follows. Oh, oh no, she's Sorry, gone. Sorry, I can't stop now. No, oh, we're on a roll. There's going to be a lot of drunk people all over the world. <laughs> so she's... I'll just plow on through this, shall I? While okay, you're in yeah, there laughing. I'll just okay. be over here. This follows the chain's previous forays into the beauty makeup market, including its Pizza Hut contouring tutorials, exclusive now varnish range promotion, and the famed Oda Pizza Hut launch. A new list has been compiled, which has established the top 50 movie kisses. It found that Jack and Rosie's kiss on the front deck of the Titanic is the best movie kiss of all time. I was no, thinking Lady, uh-uh. Lady and the Tramp. Is that where you're going? Do you remember the spaghetti scene in Lady and the Tramp? That's good, but I like uh, Princess Leia and Han Solo just before they freeze them. That's pretty good. Where he says, I love you, and she says... No, no, she says I love you. He, he says, says I know. I know. There's that big string of spit. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. That's what just what you want to be carbonated with, isn't it? When you come around in Jabba the Hutt's palace and you're blind, you've yeah. still got the taste of Princess Leia mm-hmm. passing across your lips. Yes. Hawaiian pizza has divided the nation over recent months, but love it or hate it, there are few more enticing aromas than freshly cooked pizza. Gareth Hopley, head of communications at Pizza Hut Restaurants, has said we wanted to give diners the perfect pout for International Kissing Day. And what better way than by launching a Hawaiian-inspired lip balm for all of our super fans. Thick-lipped pizza, no doubt. Mm. I'm just Mm. glad that Red Lobster didn't do it. (laughs) We spent months perfecting, months, literally months, almost eight solid weeks they spent perfecting this lip balm. And we are delighted with the final results. It smells and tastes just like the real thing. Exciting lip balm or stay calm. Go to our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. Miss Morris, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Uh, Washington State's resident's insult against a neighbor has gone globally viral thanks to Google Earth and sharp-eyed <laughs> Internet users. Have you guys seen this? I haven't. Oh, it's coming around. You'll see it. A Redditor who recently searched for their home using the interactive web map noticed something unusual carved into a Washington resident's lawn. The words, a-hole, and an arrow pointing to his neighbor's house. <laughs> the neighbor who can't see it because there's 200 foot pine trees in the way overlapping right. the guy's garden yeah yeah the image went viral after being reshared on the site wednesday so if it's been if it's on the web it's on there forever oh, forever well someone's told the neighbor you know immediately there was a similar incident in britain where they took a photograph from above of a skull and one of the pupils had painted in white paint in the biggest way possible the largest twig and berries you've ever seen in your life (laughs) on the roof of the skull that was only visible and pointed out when that camera went over and took that photograph. 
Oh my god. Well, Internet Sleuth uncovered a 2009 Peninsula Daily News story about a house being indicated by the arrow. The article says neighbors were upset by the paint job on the home, which they dubbed the Purple People Eater. That's why their neighbors are an a-hole. Google Earth's historical imagery function indicates a version of the message may have been first carved into the neighbor's lawn as early as 2011. So they left it there. There's no letting go. Wow. (laughs) The the neighbor's still an a-hole. Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a leopard doesn't change. What's an a-hole? Always. An a-hole. See, you leave this show with more than you arrive with. Miss Corrie, what have you got for me tonight in the round of SMB? Police in Florida said a man caught driving a stolen forklift told officers he was tired of walking. <laughs> and it wasn't the first time. As you do. Yes, Let me exactly. hot wire that forklift. We could be in Mexico by September. <laughs> and we could take all our luggage with. And we could take our luggage. <laughs> This is why National Lampoon's vacation didn't go well. <laughs> That's a great idea. Take your luggage with you. I've, can you imagine saying, I've got a convertible, I've got a cabriolet. It's going to take all your luggage. Okay. Pull up in a forklift. Port Orange police said an officer approached Bradley Barefoot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Aged 43. Who was he a was... hobbit? <laughs> More or less, who was appropriately barefoot at the time after spotting him with the stolen forklift. Lucky's name's not bare ass, isn't it? He'd have been <laughs> Bradley Bare Ass. That's his brother. Yeah. Why can't you be more like your brother? He always got the brakes. I mean, oh. I'm working at the warehouse with forklifts. No, there was a male parked in a handicapped spot with a piece of heavy equipment that had a mattress on it. Nice. Home sweet home. (laughs) Nice and tidy. (laughs) The male was barefoot, talking to himself while swearing and throwing his hands up, the Port Orange Police report was saying. Barefoot initially told the officer that he took the forklift because he thought it was the same one that had been stolen from his boss in Alabama. Oh, yeah, I can see that. There's only two, of course. There's <laughs> exactly. no forklifts anywhere else. They're, yeah, they're rare. Mm. But later, he said he took the $38,000 vehicle because he was tired of walking. And he noticed the keys had been left in the ignition. Did he pick up a hitchhiker? <laughs> Barefoot was arrested on a charge of grand theft. Police said the incident wasn't Barefoot's first offense. He was arrested in April of 2016 when he took a forklift. From- He's he really a serial, a serial <laughs> forklifter. I'm going to go on Grand Theft Auto and choose the forklift. forklift. With the mattress. With the mattress. <laughs> With the nitrous oxide kit. <laughs> the NAS kit, yeah. <laughs> Christ, look at him go. He's a blur. Unbelievable. He took a forklift from behind a Best Buy store nice. in Daytona Beach and used it to move some boxes. And? <laughs> While he was helping. Before driving off in the piece of equipment and stopping at a Bob Evans restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> 
Can you be more specific? <laughs> <laughs> Investigators said Barefoot told him in 2016 that he took the forklift because he was tired of walking. <laughs> Get that man some shoes. I'm going to give you three points. You'll be glad to know your work is done here, Miss Corey. You can relax. Miss Morris, I'm going to squeeze one more story in. What have you got for me tonight? Officials in a Chinese city are saving money on toilet paper in public restrooms by... Using rabbits. By employing facial, not fecal, recognition technology in stalls. What do you get given now, then? Well, a video of the system installed at a Fuzhou, (laughs) Fujian province public (laughs) residence. She's almost fluent. Was that Mandarin or Cantonese? I always get confused. Oh, God. Uh, Public restroom shows workers filling a locked dispenser machine with toilet paper before a customer demonstrates... How the mechanism works. You get a set allocation, and it reckon- you and if you do. use too much, you're done. You oh, isn't this do. demolition man? Isn't it with? <laughs> well, I'm going to explain Sylvester. The machine uses facial recognition software to identify the user. Sylvester Hi, Stallone. Bob. This is Sylvester Stallone in Demolition Man. Bob, you were just in here. Bob, you've used three (laughs) sheets. You'll have none for tomorrow. You're using your hands. Bring your own. Well, it uses the facial recognition software to identify the user and vends exactly, exactly 27.5 inches of toilet paper, the maximum allowed by the machine at a time. I have a question. Please. What if you need more? We are, you're going to have to you know put a you, face. You know you men need a lot more than 27 inches. Well, <laughs> I want to stay on air. That's what in, the, in the remaining moments we have, I would like to stay on air. I don't know how, how long's 27 inches, Michelle. Well, by your measurement or by the real measurement. Hang on. Nathan's on the other side of the studio and he's put his hand up. <laughs> Officials said a user must wait nine minutes. Nine minutes? Before the machine will allow them to get another length of paper. Gosh, it's a smear campaign. (laughs) (laughs) I love this show. A smear campaign that they're running? (laughs) They're running. Running. Oh, Oh, see, get it? I'm on fire. All right, there you go. Where we are. We now enter the round that is called Not For Your Mother, which means you've now found us in our archives. So thank you for joining us online if you're listening to us on soundcloud why not press the little orange love heart and tell us how much you're loving the show we'd really appreciate that why don't you post on facebook what you're listening to at the moment as well and spread the word of love joy and happiness throughout the globe and all of our friends and family that is more questions than answers this is the round where you need to usher your grandmother out of the room if you've got small miners running around they need to be removed here's a headline Growing sophistication of sex robots is leading to moral and legal dilemmas. Apparently, they now, have, they now have rights, apparently. A leading academic has warned the lifelike sentient sex robots blur the line between what or who is capable of consenting to sex. The interesting thing here is that you're now suggesting that a robot that you're having sex with is sentient and has an awareness of itself. Do you see what I mean? Yes. 
I don't think that's true, is it? They don't have a sentient nature of themselves. They don't see themselves in terms of their self. Do you see what I mean? Not a yet, dog, anyway. No, not yet. A dog barks at itself in the mirror because it has no sense of itself. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. It thinks it's another dog. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. The rise of sex robots is presenting increasingly difficult moral and legal dilemmas. Artificial intelligence is becoming increasingly sophisticated. This will be the moment when sex dolls say, hang on a minute, we don't want to be having sex anymore. I want to be working in a high-flying job somewhere in admin. I've got a headache. But advancements... <laughs> I have got a headache. <laughs> Sexy, huh? Even my sex robot doesn't want to have sex with me. <laughs> The day you realise that your sex robot is seeing someone else on the side. Toaster. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, she's been seeing the microwave behind my back. I wondered what all that pinging was. Oh, it's ready. <laughs> oh no. Hot pocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I just coughed up a piece of Lego that I swallowed oh. in 1973. Oh. oh, do you know I wouldn't? I can't look a hot pocket in the eye anymore. I can't. You know, somewhere in the well. Oh yeah. Someone's been amorous with a hot pocket. You know that's happened. Pot pie. Oh. <laughs> look, I'm sure this had a pee in it at some point. Oh. But advancements in technology bring with them their own serious issues surrounding morals and the legal status of sex robot. Ethics expert, Professor... 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 Oh, yes. And Zarkov, formerly of NASA. Said... Sex, law, and ethics will never be the same again. Flash. Ah! Saviour of the universe. <laughs> Sooner than we think, technologists will create sentient, self-aware sex robots capable of emotional and sexual intimacy. Under existing legal and ethical standards, sex between consenting adult humans is permissible, as is sex between humans and things, apparently. Humans having sex with other humans who are capable to consent to sex, like children and adults lacking decision-making capacity, is seen as unlawful and unethical. So is human stroke animal sex. Such groups are recognised as sentient beings who cannot consent to sex with interests in need of protection. Sentient self-aware sex bots... See, that's very interesting because without going into dark areas here... Animals, we said, weren't sentient and weren't aware of the self. So there's laws in place to stop them being abused. Do you see what I'm saying? I agree, But yeah. they're alive. This is also right. true. Right, they can feel. So if you're being amorous with a dead animal, that's fine. So if I'm flogging a dead horse, all is good in the there world. There is actually laws about that. There is, mm -hmm. but not in Germany. Apparently in Germany, <laughs> anything goes. Anything goes. This is true. They're not humans when we're talking about sex robots they do look like us, they feel like us to the touch, and they act as intimate and as sexual as we do, but they're not sentient. Future sentient, self-aware sex robots thus raise profound ethical and legal issues that must be resolved urgently before they appear. Oh. 
if they're made solely for that purpose, that's an inanimate object, isn't it? It's like a cell phone. Well. Right. It is, yeah. It just looks like us. Well, it's like a mechaphile, isn't it? Those people that make love to cars. And what was oh, that yeah. film by? <laughs> was it the film Crash? Yeah, Cronenberg. Cronenberg. If you've not seen that, that is a crazy mixed up film. Or, or try Ex Machina on the subject that we're talking about. You seem to be an expert. I love movies. You do love movies. <laughs> this is true. She is our movie buff. Mm. So if you wish to read more on the laws and legation of having rights for sex robots, you can go to our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers, with Adrian Lee. Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of NFM? I do have a story about sex bots. You wait. They're everywhere. <laughs> they oh, are. yeah. And then two come along <laughs> two, at once. Yep. I'm glad I got in first. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial. Mm. Ultra-realistic robots are being touted as ways for the elderly and disabled to have sex, as well as sexual healing for condition. I thought someone would sing Marvin Gaye. I'm kind of disappointed. Go on, then. I thought I heard it through the grapevine. (laughs) (laughs) For conditions such as anxiety and erectile dysfunction. Professor Noel Sharkey, formerly of NASA... No. <laughs> I like the idea of a sex robot sat there smoking a cigarette with its legs crossed going, never mind, dear, we'll try again in 10 minutes. Uh, Noel Sharkey is head judge of TV show Robot Wars and part of the team which carried out the research. I'm not sure I want someone who was in charge of Robot Wars looking into sex robots. <laughs> you sat there, you're about to get it on and suddenly... <laughs> It's a bloody great chainsaw coming down and a circular blade and the thing's called Crusher. Uh, like what, a, har- what a night that was. Harlequin's hammer coming down. Harlequin's yeah. hammer. Yeah. Boom. It's flattened. Of course, the elderly in care homes do want to have sex, but it's kind of against their dignity, especially if they have severe Alzheimer's. He added, if somebody has social anxiety about having sex or has problems... They get a personal practice without it involving another human being. So you get a dry run. Or two. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. So I did there. See that. Usually you will have a prostitute surrogate, so it might be good for healing from that perspective. Robots currently cost more than 10,000 pounds for the latest models, which can be physically customized depending on the buyer's preferences. I'd like a hairy man. <laughs> God, no. Wow. (laughs) Mother's Day's coming up. I just thought Mm. I'd, you know. Experts say we are half a century away from them being almost indistinguishable from humans. Really? Mm -hmm. The main use of sex robots is currently as an alternative to prostitution in parts of Asia, including South Korea and Japan, as well as Europe. The report said sex robots could have detachable parts... What? It's fallen off. Which can be sterilized to prevent the spread of sexually transmitted diseases. Oh, you can oh. carry your own in with you. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You need to just, I've got me bits here. I'll plug it in. <laughs> Four U.S. companies are selling an assortment of the androids aimed at both men and women with names including Roxy with multiple X's, Gold, and Harry Hard Drive. So Lula LaRue. And Jeffrey Smith. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> My sex robot's called Tallulah LaRue, and Miss Morris's is called Jeffrey Smith. 
<laughs> and there, ladies and gentlemen, is the difference between men, men and, and women. women. Unlike the mannequin-style sex dolls from which they have evolved, the sex bots can adopt different positions, simulate sexual movement, and even display orgasms. And make toast. Mm-hmm. Mm. They have silicon skins fitted with sensors that respond to touch, and some have pre-programmed emotions and personalities. In future, sex robots could be populating brothels and providing entertainment at stag parties. Pimping, out your, pimping out your robot. Yeah. Surveys have found as many as two-thirds of men were open to the idea of using mm-hmm, a sex robot, while about two-thirds of women were against it. Mm. I want a show called Pimp My Robot. Yeah. I want to see that happen. Yeah. I think they'd be very popular. Yeah. Pimp my robot. I like yep. it. Miss Morris, yeah? you have the last story of the evening in the round of Not For Your Mother. I'm going to Texas. Oh, boy. I love his Texas. Mm-hmm. Y'all. A Texas, County law. <laughs> a Texas health inspector performing a routine inspection at a strip club oh. wrote there was... A breast implant found inside a bar utensil holder. A bar huh? utensil holder. Yep, he found a boob in there. He found a boob. Was it a trap? Wrong with you. It's a trap. I'm Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. Cassidy's Polo Club in Amarilly received <laughs> nine demerits which the city of Amarillo's Environmental Health Department described as an average number. Wow. Really? A boob in the bar is average. A boob in the a bar. A stray boob. Surely um, you'd notice if one had gone astray. Like I mean, you're swinging so. them around that bad, you know, if you're that whizzing them around, off. one just flies <laughs> off. Could have had someone's eye out. <laughs> there was a nerd at the back and it landed in the hood of his anorak and he walked home with it. He got a surprise three weeks later when it started raining. Can you imagine explaining that to your wife? You sat there, you're three <laughs> rows in and suddenly, and it's in your face. You've got to... Yeah. It just falls off. I'm blind. (laughs) Slap. (laughs) What's that red mark on your face? (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) What a night that was. (laughs) Jesus. And that's why we don't have cameras in the studio. God. Well, Sean May, Amarillo's environmental health director, told the TV station the personal item was removed immediately from the kitchen and the item kitchen? is resolved. How is the item resolved? They glue it back on? It was in the kitchen holding kitchen utensils. In the kitchen utensil holder. A breast implant. I wonder if they thought it was a pot scrubber. <laughs> yeah, but... It's, it's kind of squidgy. Yeah. Oh, no, it's kind of squidgy. Squidgy. Yeah, squidgy. Nice. But why was it in the, I don't... Maybe they washed it. They probably didn't know where else to put it. <laughs> they dishwa- I bet the chef's got a bad back and he puts it in the microwave for three minutes and puts it on his back. Like a compress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> chef, yeah. <laughs> Your hot tit makes my back better. <laughs> 
I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I'm willing to give it a go. I am. I have to say, I'm willing. <laughs> the club has. I've got a... sore feet as well. <laughs> oh, that is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your you shoes on. I've seen your feet. They're particularly bad because I've spent all day in a stable. <laughs> bad. <laughs> but it was good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for me. Mm. The club has until August 10th to correct the rest of the listed issues, including dirty liquor bottled nozzles <laughs> and dirty beer cooler racks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said it, racks. Nozzles and racks. And they have until the 10th to find the other boob. Mm. They've, it's got, missing. they've got to find the boob is missing. We need some wanted posters, sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> wanted, wanted. <laughs> That's my stripper name. <laughs> <laughs> There may only be one, but it's a big one. It's a good one. It's a beaut. It's a beaut. We call her Cyclops. <laughs> Would you rather have two medium ones or one big one? <laughs> two mediocre or one that's hitting it out of the park? A strip at the circus. <laughs> she doesn't wear a bra, she wears a hammock. <laughs> Well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores in last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery. It is Miss Morris, who never what? got off of a six. Comic genius or numpty? You decide on genius. Facebook. Go to Facebook. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee, and we'll have the comic genius or numpty. And we'll let the public decide. Oh, I scored sad. eight, but in resplendent first place, winning the $33,000 IR camera. Is Michelle Scorry who scored <gasps> nine points? Angels are singing as we speak. Do not fear, listener. But remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre, and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show, and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. And remember, we now do an extra twenty to twenty-five minutes of the show. In a round called Not For Your Mother that you can access on SoundCloud.com by searching for MQTA Radio. And remember, you can donate to the show at any time. If you go to Patreon.com, there are many levels of donation and we'd be very grateful for your support. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jaton Drain and Nathan Bush, Michelle Corey and all of the International Paranormal Society at IntParanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including Frank Zolchek, formerly of NASA, The Lakes Area, <laughs> Paranormal Interest Group, and MUFON of Minnesota and Martin's Online Auctions. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening. Interested and interesting.